Today's episode of Atomic Moms is brought to you by the personalized children's book, Lost My Name. Their website address is so easy, it's almost confusing. It's lostmy.name. Get a sneak peek of your little one's personalized children's book right now. Free worldwide shipping and definitely use the promo code ATOMIC to get 10% off. Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts, and moms around the world. I was so sad about coming home to sometimes a baby that was already put down for the night. It was like one of the more heartbreaking things I've ever experienced. And so for me, a change needed to be made for me to be happy. And that means figuring out what my job looks like that that I'd be willing to do. Like, what is the job I'd be willing to do? Our three-year-old Sabrina is in swim class right now. It's every afternoon for 30 minutes for 10 days. And yesterday, the coolest thing happened. So in the pool, it's the teacher, Sabrina, and two little boys. And one of the little boys like vastly improved yesterday from the day before. And so the teacher asked, she's like in the pool and she asked the mom sitting on the side, you know, did you guys practice last night? And the mom was like, no. She goes, no, we didn't practice. And actually he really didn't want to come today. And the teacher smiled knowingly and said, yep, yep. When they're most resistant is usually when the breakthrough happens. And I was like, oh, man, I just want to leave right now. Like, can I just leave Sabrina in the pool with you here while I go home and podcast this? When we feel most resistant, it might be right before our biggest breakthrough, just like that little boy (laughs) paddling in the pool. So today's episode is, oh, it's silly. It's so silly, pants. Uh, Jessica Coulter and I, we're just total nonsense. She's so much fun. Uh, Here's, you know, when I think of Jessica, I think of her wearing a fanny pack because she's able to pull it off. She looks like someone who might be in one of those like really cool Brooklyn magazines um, wearing her fanny pack. And I can't even name a Brooklyn magazine. That's how cool I am. Uh, If I wore a fanny pack, it would look like I was coming out of a time machine from like a Milwaukee mall in the early 90s. But Jessica can pull it off. And I I have fanny pack envy because it would be really nice to have my hands free and my shoulders free as a mom. Those moms back in the day knew what they were doing with those fanny packs. I just wish I could look cool with it. I'm so basic. It's okay, Ellie. It's okay to be basic. It's okay to be basic. I accept myself. I accept myself. I accept myself. (laughs) Okay, Jessica. Back to Jessica and her fanny pack. She's a crazy working mom boss. She is a creative director at BBDO New York, where she has spent the last six years creating iconic campaigns for brands including Foot Locker, HBO, Snickers, Lowe's, Twix, AT&T, and FedEx. Jessica is one of 2016 Business Insider's 30 Most Creative Women in Advertising. We talk about making mom friends. You know, in romantic comedies, they call it the meet cute, where the, you know, where the leads meet. It's a meet cute. Uh, so we share our meet cute, and it's freaking adorable uh, and a little competitive. You'll hear about it in a minute. Jessica, in addition to her career as a creative director in advertising, you know, of course, she also 
won Best Duo at a World Burlesque competition, and she spent a year as an NFL cheerleader. So we talk about that. Uh, She shares fantastic life hacks for getting stuff done. She talks about coming back to work after maternity leave. She talks about moving across the country with a baby. Uh, And of course, duh, I make her sing Hamilton because, you know, it's our favorite. I'll be right back with Jessica Coulter. This is our 99th episode, and oh man, last week we had our Supporting Our Sisterhood Pregnancy Loss episode with Dr. Jessica Zucker. She's a clinical psychologist and also with Georgina Blanchard, who is a training midwife. It was a beautiful episode. I'm really proud of it. We worked really hard on it. So this week, it's time for some fun. It's time for some R&R. So this is going to (laughs) be... A completely unhinged, fun, just like you're in the room with us. Let's just do it. We're going to just do it. I would like to introduce you all to my dear girlfriend. I'm not going to call her a mom friend because mom friend feels like uh, like so distant. Like, oh, this is my mom friend. Like, here's the girl I talk to because we both have children the same age. It's not like that. And we only talk about sleep training. Yeah. And that's not true. Although, like, we're... We like a little bit, can about, we talk about Just a little training? bit, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the toddler's I training. always try to not talk about mom stuff, and then it kind of goes there. It always goes there. Anyway. Jessica, can we share how we met? Because I think it's so great. Because there's so many moms out there who maybe recently moved or who are in their 30s, and they're the only ones in their town. I, I get these emails. They're some of my favorite emails of being like, I am in my 30s. I just had my child. Everyone else had a kid 10 years ago. So thanks for being my mom's support group. And I'm like, oh, man, bring it in for a hug. I love it. So like an e-hug. An e-hug. I, my a podcast, podcast friends are my real friends, as are my TV friends, <laughs> my Netflix friends. I actually have a ton of friends, oh, but yeah. when I moved to L.A. I've from, got a lot of Netflix friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I moved to L.A. from New York, I didn't have a lot of real friends, just a lot of Netflix friends. So um, I took my daughter Minnow to a dance class. You were in the dance class. You made some hilarious joke, made me laugh. And so I walked up to you after class and I said, hey, this is probably going to sound a little creepy, but I'd like to give you my email address. And if you ever want to hang out, I don't know, email me. And maybe our kids can sort of play. I know. It was, But that's like a byproduct, a right? Byproduct. <laughs> And you emailed me and you invited me over to your house where you were having a hang with some other mom friends. Which, by the way, our other mom friend, frequent guest, Teresa Palmer, she's like, remember that one time you had moms over and how proud you were that you actually had moms over? <laughs> Was that inspired by my creeping on you a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I think so. I think you can take some credit for I'll that. I'll take it. Uh, it was like the one time I had everyone over. It seems so it natural. Was it was like... An Instagram post. It was like everybody was just... It was um, a blast. We'll looked, do it again. It idyllic and lovely. I spent a lot of time on this podcast. And with preschool, you just, it's hard to get everyone together, right? Yeah. There was that one hilarious meme about like, how do you, you know, trying to plan a girl's night of moms and it's just like, uh, I'm available in seven months. Yeah. You know, like everyone's, they're, yeah. And it's, it's an LA traffic, thing. Like, and then it's a nap yeah. time thing. And it's like, oh man, they wake up from their naps at 3.30, but no one's getting in their car at four in Los no. Angeles because it'll take till six. And then how are you going to get home for bed? No, unless nap? you live down the street, you might as well live in San Francisco. It's like, 
I know you live in Encino. You live in no, like I'm a totally in San Francisco, which is Encino. You're basically, but I'm willing to make the haul. That's the thing. I know you I make the haul, the distance, which everyone also can. I hope my longtime listeners appreciate that uh, when Jessica was like, oh, our kids aren't in school right now this week, you know, let's get together. And I was like, yeah, can you come to me? Because Sabrina will break me. If I have to go basically to San Francisco, it's over. <laughs> and you guys came. Yeah. And then Sabrina was not very nice. <laughs> She's really into Sophia the First. There's one episode. Oh, she was method acting is yeah. what she was doing. She was super into that. Uh, she, I'm now, when I just did, uh, I was having a flashback to the, my recent Montessori episode where our. Which I listened to. And there was a lot of conversation right? about. Fantasy. fantasy and real life. Yeah, and role-playing. And I was like, uh-oh, my daughter's so in so deep, and I'm not even bringing up how deep it is because she watches this one show, Sophia the First. Not anymore. Not after our play date with you guys because there's an episode called The Good Little Witch. But, of course, The Good Little Witch is a bad little witch before mm-hmm. she becomes a good little witch. And Sabrina prefers to perform in the first and second acts of things mm-hmm. rather than uh, – the resolution the at the end. The lovely conclusion. Yeah. So she likes she likes she the pre- tension of yeah. being the bad little witch. She prefers act two of Frozen. You know, she's going to freeze my heart. And so yeah. she was being the bad little witch mm-hmm. and trying to uh, fly on her broomstick and not letting your daughter play with any of her things. No, it's a tough age. But it's a tough age. And um, now I feel bad that I even shared that because it was just one little moment. And I'm sharing it because I want other moms to know that it's okay if our kids are not the hostess with the mostess all the time. No, and if it— You can always try again. And the next play date, it'll be Minnow. Then you'll have that nice feeling of, like, glad it's not me today. Yeah. Which is that you need a break sometimes. You need to be, like, glad it's not me today sometimes. Yeah. So that when it is you— And it's not and you. it's not even us. It's just our kids but trying it, like, on things. But it's just, like, being the one that has to be on at attention the whole time. Right. You know what I mean? The play date thing is funny at this age. Because, <laughs> you're like, the, the whole time you're just trying to, like— Seems super relaxed and non-reactive mm-hmm. and also keep your child from seriously harming themselves or other children. So that's how we met. And Jessica is a beautiful dancer. I was feeling so confident in that class uh, because at the time the children were two years old and so the parents get to participate and I hadn't danced in, you know, a good Oh, my God, since I was 17 years old. And um, I was feeling pretty confident about my turnout. I've got a really good point. I've got super high arches. And I was showing off a little bit. And then uh, this uh, new mom came into the class. What's gross is it makes me sound like I was trying real hard at a two-year-old dance class. No, but she, and I probably was. No, she kind of, yeah. She, a little bit. Like, I yeah. can't help it. Yeah, you I want to be the it. best in the class. Yeah, and you were. And <laughs> you usurped my throne of best parent dancer in the class. The uh, competition was not. <laughs> it was weak. Okay. And then I found out that you have a background in burlesque. We're, by the way, we are going to talk about your actual career because you're, <laughs> your bio is so intimidating and mind-blowing the and amazing. twirling we're going to start with burlesque. <laughs> hey, guys, sex sells. So it truly does. You, um, you, what did you win? Some years ago, pre-breastfeeding for two and a half years. So um, your breasts did have something to do with this burlesque? Were you actually did. naked? Uh, not all the way naked. Um, burlesque is a, um, an art form of dance that, as you can imagine, like began in the early, you know, 1900s and um, continued until now. There's kind of a resurgence of burlesque right now. Uh, it's a combination of 
striptease, the art of the tease. But oh, um, your lucky husband. Oh, uh, I, I like mostly kept it on the stage. Save it yeah. for the <laughs> save it for the stage. Uh, and it's a lot of comedy. It's vaudeville. So our troupe especially was very comedy heavy. But we did in the end strip down to do a reveal, which was always pasties and like a little thong. I can't imagine. But we what had a weekly dinner the- show. Oh, a weekly dinner show. Okay. Exactly. So um, <laughs> what were you doing like to make money at this point? I was in advertising. You were in advertising. I, yes, okay, I had we'll get my into career. Everybody, I never, I promise. I, from the moment I graduated college. You were moonlighting college. as a burlesque dancer. Yes, which I moonlighted as an NFL cheerleader before yeah, that, which, which is where. Can we please? Really fast, everyone. We're going to take a, a fast swerve to the left. We're going to go to this NFL cheerleading thing for a moment. Mm-hmm. You have a constellation of different dots, and yet they somehow all connect, which I'm sure, because I'm such a brilliant podcast host, we will somehow make it's, it all make sense by the end. But it's go like to a Kaiser end. Sose map of life. Yeah. I auditioned when I was living in Seattle for a spell um, to be – you know, an NFL cheerleader for the Seahawks. My intention was to, I'm constantly moonlighting. So I was going to moonlight as a magazine writer, but I was in, you know, had a steady job in advertising. And um, the article I was writing was about how the NFL cheerleading teams kind of discriminate based on body type and weight. So height and weight are like requirements they have, which Mm -hmm. they're kind of not supposed to have. I'm 4'11". I'm a very petite woman, but I'm a, you know, I'm a, seasoned dancer, cheerleader. I competed in high school and college. And so I knew I was up there and and could very potentially make the team, but that I likely wouldn't because of my body type. And I wanted to, you know, write an article that comments on body type in regards to different jobs. Uh, But it backfired a bit when I made the team. So, um, but really fast, did you go ahead and write the article and say, hey, the NFL didn't uh, discriminate against me. No, I suddenly had a different moonlighting job that took up my time. <laughs> You're like, actually, I had to be a cheerleader and it took up all <laughs> I, my time. It took a lot of time. Um, but I was I was also holding down my advertising job. So it was um, very time-consuming, but a really good, surprising experience for me. Yeah, totally surprising. Yeah. I love that. You went in there, like, ready for a fight, basically. And then I left having met some really good friends, having opened doors to burlesque with those friends that open more doors and more doors. So it was a path that was meant for me, but it if you would have told me a year before that that I would be an NFL cheerleader. So you went in as like kind of an <laughs> undercover journalist and you yeah. came out an NFL cheerleader. I came out um, with a high-waist, high-hip-cut uh, unitard. Oh, my God. With um, weird, and I was Miss May in the calendar. I became Miss- a calendar girl. You were a calendar girl. At the same time, you had this – Professional advertising yes, career. And I didn't want, Did they know about no, it? God, Wait, no. It was a secret? It was a secret. Oh, except this gets for my, better and better. Yeah, for my immediate boss, um, who's a very good friend of mine still, she um, did know about it because I would have to sneak out for rehearsals and things. and, and To be – no one saw you on – you know, they're eventually, not watching the game. Eventually. Or there's like an said, advertisement on during the game. <laughs> eventually, I was discovered because the head of IT – had my screensaver on his computer. As Miss May? There was and like a knew. moving screensaver of me in questionable Just cheerleading you. poses. Yeah, it was like the Jessica screensaver. Wait, this is the IT guy at your advertising, advertising agency. company, mm-hmm. agency. Are you allowed to complain about that as sexual no, harassment I mean, or not? Because, you, I mean, if you're on a calendar, you kind of— <laughs> No, I feel 
that no, I feel that it nothing happened to me that was inappropriate at all in that regard. And the president of the agency also had like front row seats and I made eye contact with him eventually and he knew. So the word kind of quickly spread. Um, I think eventually one of the news stations did a like package on me about how I kind of, because the agency was right next to the stadium. Like I could walk there and they had, I remember they shot this scene where they're like, advertising creative by day. And then the like camera shifts over to the stadium and it's like cheerleader by night question mark. And so they eventually it came out and then um, I didn't continue with the team. So it was just kind of a weird one year long journey. But um, I, at first I just didn't want my agency to know because of kind of all those predisposed notions you have about cheerleaders and was kind of a woman in a man's world. And I didn't want that to play a part. In retrospect, I think it only adds to the layers of being a creative person and having kind of an arsenal of talents and weird interests and skills. And I'm happy to talk about it now. And I don't feel like it takes away from my ability as a professional person. As a professional person, you were an At Makers awardee, uh, an honor given to game-changing females across all industries at this year's Makers Conference, which is in association with who? Gloria Steinem. Oh, just I love stop. just saying the name. Just stop. Oh, we went to but the same college. Makers is so cool. I recommend all your listeners uh, go check it out, their website. Makers. Yeah, what is it? It's um, a bi-yearly, every other year conference where they basically – bring female change makers to one place. And this year it was at, I'm going to say it wrong. Uh, Ter- Terrania. Terrania. I was like, Perineum Resort. Um, <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. It's, it's a lovely resort. And they actually converted all the men's bathrooms to women's bathrooms because there was basically so no women. dudes there. They honored Annie Leibovitz at the conference. They basically bring people together who are all change makers um, who can have conversations about how to fight for women's health, women's equality, and just inspire each other to elevate ourselves and bring more females into all of our industries. Just a big place for big ideas about women. And then this summer you were like, yeah, I got to go to the White House. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> uh, you were invited to attend the United State of Women's Summit put on by the Obamas. Yeah. So it was a full day. And by full day, I mean 6 a.m. we got there. And it went until like 10 p.m. or something with very few breaks. Um, I got to see Barack walk in and hear the like, dun, 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 oh, dun, the cool. tears. I mean, it was just, he's mm-hmm. just so dreamy in every way. Um, Michelle Obama and Oprah had a little conversation on the stage. Mm. Never heard of either of them. Speaking of dreamy, they actually went on a tangent about Obama and how dreamy he is, like how <laughs> how hot he is, like coming off Air Force One. And all they could do over and over was, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> like they did, I think I counted like 30 of them back and forth. It was a delight. It was like watching two friends catch up. What, kind of like us right now. We're just catching we up. We are uh, uh, the Michelle and Oprah of podcasts right now. I don't know which one I want to be more, the Michelle or the Oprah. It's like a huge oh, yeah. toss up. They're both so incredible. Yeah. Okay. So in the advertising world, look, this is my reference. Mad Men, right? Yeah. I think of Mad Men. Are you Peggy towards the end? I'm it Peggy. It feels like there's still 
uh, too many men in advertising. How about that? Not enough women. Feels like a little bit of a sausage fest. It's a big old pickle jar. Um, I actually <laughs> ran into Peggy, the actress who plays Peggy. Um, at, she, like, complimented me on my hat Ooh. out at a restaurant. And I was like, thanks. And then I just couldn't help myself. I was like, I'm you in real life. And she was like, what? And I was like, I am like a female copywriter creative who's trying to become a creative director, which now I am a creative director. Um, and the struggle is real, as they say, the kids say. Still real it's in still 2016. Real. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's getting better, though. It's a really good time for women, actually, in advertising because a lot of the agencies and just in creative industries in general, but a lot of the agencies are finally recognizing the need for the female voice in, in the creative world. And they're willing, We're the ones who buy everything. Dude, that's what blows my mind. It's gross. But um, they're willing to pay for it. And and I think that's uh, it's a good time for women to ask for promotions, ask for more money, ask to hire other women that they believe in. And on that note, we'll be right back. Sabrina's new favorite game is to pretend to be her preschool teacher. So she is Miss Sabrina and I am her, I guess I'm her TA, her teacher's assistant. And every night she reads to her class of stuffed animals. And uh, her favorite book to read to them right now is Lost My Name. Not only is Sabrina learning to spell her name with it, she extra loves it because the book was made especially for her. Each kid's adventure is based on the letters of their name, making every story unique to that child. We've seen the books where they just plug in a kid's name. This one's different. The character goes on an adventure. And the process of ordering couldn't be simpler. I mean, it took me no time at all, like shorter than this ad. Go to www.lostmy.name and enter your little one's name for a free preview of their story. Enter code ATOMIC at checkout to get 10% off your order. Shipping is free worldwide. And don't wait to get your child their own personalized bedtime story. Heck, Get them for all the birthday parties coming up. Do it for the whole class. You're not repeating the gift because every story is different, right? So visit www.lostmy.name today. There's no .com. It's just lostmy.name. And do us a favor. Don't forget that promo code ATOMIC for 10% off your order. Okay, back to our conversation with Jessica Coulter. Okay, here's the – I'm going to put you in the hot seat right here. Ready? Uh, Let's say there's someone in – early slash mid thirties mm-hmm. who has no experience mm-hmm. as a young child. I don't know this person, but like, is if this she, an interview? If she were interested, <laughs> but she, what would she do? What would she me do to get it, to, to try this out? Because you, you're like, well, but you've got a kid in school and you're going to get pregnant again. And I'm, I'm naming all the roadblocks yeah. that we give ourselves. Right. What do you say? You can, can you be a thirty-something intern? Like, and also, like, families can't afford that. I'm. These are all the problems. Solve them for us in this, you know, thirty-second soundbite. Well, this is here we go. This is a question that's been posed to me, like, on a panel in front of a thousand people before. This exact question: A woman stood so you're up, calling and, me unoriginal. No, cool. no, no, no. Totally I was cool actually hit. stumped by this question mm. because the traditional a woman stood up and she was like, "Hey, I'm late, late in the game, coming into this creative advertising thing. I have a kid. I like have to leave at five thirty every day. Like, I just whatever. Like, she's just like, I just have to. This is my life. And what do I do? Like, I can't be dicking around at nine p.m. at night playing ping pong with a bunch mm-hmm. of frat boys, t- tossing ideas around. Like, that's right. not me. And so. 
I think I was fairly stumped when she asked me this question. Um, the one thing that does come to mind, though, is for women who are currently in the industry to be really open about when they're leaving, be really transparent about why they're leaving, and just sort of making it okay to leave to pick up your kids, to say no when you just have to say no. And it's kind of a power play to say no, I think, at work. Um, Guys do it all the time. Suddenly the ecosystem revolves around them. I'm like ready for things to revolve around me a little bit. And once that becomes okay, I think it'll be easier for women to get in. But the traditional track to get into advertising is, you know, you go to college, majority of creatives go to a finishing school. They call it ad school. So it's like a couple more years where you're just working on building a portfolio of spec work. And then you travel that spec work around and you try and get an internship, which are usually unpaid. And then that unpaid internship leads to a very low paying junior job. And then that junior job, if you catch breaks and catch breaks and meet people. And once you're kind of in, you're in, and that leads to, you know, more of a mid-level position. And then you can kind of start to relax. But how would you do that track as a mom with a kid right. in a life? Like, it's tough. I It's tricky. And then, and when you say that starting to relax period, that's usually when moms, or God, I'm totally generalizing. Forgive me, everyone. But it seems like that would be the period when women have to stop working because they get pregnant. It just seems like it's too hard to juggle it all. Yeah. I mean, you have to – It's the answer is different for every woman. Like one woman might have her baby take maternity leave, get back in the office, and just be energized by a bustling advertising agency where there's like cool culture and like parties and things are happening and that kind of – peek into being an adult again can be what revitalizes her to go home and have Mm -hmm. the energy to really be present with her kid. Like that's one of the choose your own adventures. Another mom might show up after maternity leave and find themselves pumping and crying in the pumping room. And that was me. Like I was not, I was so sad about coming home to sometimes a baby that was already put down for the night. It was like one of the more heartbreaking things I've ever experienced. And so for me, a change needed to be made for me to be happy. And that means figuring out what my job looks like that that I'd be willing to do. Like, what is the job I'd be willing to do? So did you sit down and write out, this is so the dream plan? Yeah. So we had- That must have been scary. Well, we had family out in LA. I had a bad nanny experience. You know I want to ask, but- Dude, just ask it. Okay, really? Yeah. You're willing to go there? What was the nanny experience? She um, showed up a few things. As everyone knows that has nannies, like there's always just, um, you know, differences of opinion, differences right. of personality. Um, weirdly, I have a nanny now where there's none of that, and I'm so happy. But um, my nanny at the time showed up to work really sick. Like just about as, you know, with the worst viral cold thing you can have. And then told me she had run out of regular Tylenol. So she took a bunch of Tylenol PM and she was a little worried she was going to fall asleep. (laughs) And this was like. (laughs) You have to go to work. It's not like she was doing lines off the baby bouncer. (laughs) Right. But she showed up drugged. She showed up I just like you should, you're not supposed to drive if you have one, I let alone already, take care of an like, infant. When I take like two Tylenol PMs, oh, you're out. Peace. It's the best. It's just lights That's out. That's so dangerous. 
Did she do it on accident? No, she's no. No. Oh, yeah. She said she ran out. She felt like she had a fever, which I mean, fundamentally, also, if you like, have a fever, come. like don't come to work. But, and okay. I, I just, so, so yeah, I sent her home. Yeah. And it was a Friday. And then on Monday, I had to let her go. So then I'm like, I just finally gotten back to work and kind of finally figured out pumping and how to like maybe go on with my life when this happened and I didn't have child, instantly didn't have any child care. And I have this like, sack of potatoes, this like brand new sack of potatoes to take care of. It's just like, I just want to be home. Mm-hmm. So what did you do? How did you make so, the change? Yeah. So I started bringing family in to help with her. And at the same time, my husband and I started talking about, you know, what can we do here? Like we need, I was too nervous to hire a new nanny. I was just kind of scarred from that experience. Thankfully I'm, I can step away now, but um, we have family here in LA I decided to make the move. And thankfully, when I approached my boss about leaving, I said, listen, this has nothing to do. I love this job. It has everything to do with wanting to be somewhere where I feel like my kid is being taken care of by someone I can trust and seeing her more. And I don't want to go, but I can't stay. And they, and, and, and I, I was kind of gearing up to ask them, like, would, could we ever keep some sort of working relationship going? And my boss immediately was like, uh, just, what are you talking about? Just keep your job. Can you work East Coast hours from the West Coast? And I was like, um, yes, because that means at 2.15, the emails start to slow down and I can be a mom. So since I've moved here, I feel half stay-at-home mom and half working girl in the non-sexual sense. The non-burlesque sense. I'm going to get emails from burlesque dancers being like, you don't understand us. Um, Just kidding, everybody. So my takeaway from that story is if, first of all, be so good at something that you're indispensable and then be honest. Well, I think that, I mean, they always say you have to ask the answers no. I mean- the worst case is that they say no. Like if you're someone who suddenly like you're crying in the pumping room or you're just not satisfied with your role as a mother, but you think being homes on being home on Fridays would make a make you feel a lot better. And an entire additional day with your kid that you didn't have before, it's a gift. I remember right when I moved here, I was like taking a bath. I had like a little moment where I could just like, I was home because I was working from home and I was like working from the bathtub and getting ready for work to wind down and I was going to go take care of Minnow. And I like started crying thinking about this gift that my agency has given me, the gift of like knowing in advance that I'm not going to regret anything. Like I'm already pre-nostalgic for it to be over, but I have no regrets. There's not a moment that I'm, I'm with her the exact amount of time that is healthy for me. So I've found my balance, and if your balance would mean working from home on Fridays or working four days a week if you can afford it, ask for it. I mean, a lot of – this is a good time for women, and a lot of places want to keep you. You're an asset. Mm-hmm. And You're we're a fundamental s- asset. I mean, at this point, there's there's huge efforts. Like right now, there's this new one in the advertising world called – Free the bid, freethebid.com. And it's basically asking advertising agencies to commit that if they are bidding 
uh, script to directors, if they're bidding three directors, the third has to be a female. And this is a commitment that huge agencies, including my own, is making to include and invite women to the table. And, I mean, this is a good time for women. And we're not saying that it's not hard or scary because I'm sure moving to Los Angeles was terrifying. You ended up in a dance class where you hit me up with an email <laughs> saying, hey, let's just hang out. Just reeking of desperation. <laughs> you juggle so many different things. And one time I went to your house and I saw you had like a honeydew list for your husband. Mm-hmm. So I took that on. Good. I'm going to do that. The other thing you have suggested to me before is like if you have to do – a bunch of annoying responses mm, like mm-hmm. bills or something. You're like, Monday is the day. Yeah. If I don't get it done that day, I do it the following Monday. Do you yeah. have any other little life hacks for yeah. me? Oh, I love life hacks. Um, so I have a list on my phone. It's a three-parter. So I have things that I need to do that are kind of mundane life things. They're things that need to happen in the next week. I have a list of things that usually goes out about a month that I would like my husband to do. And I kind of prioritize what I feed to him because I don't want to overwhelm him because he has also has a very busy job. And moms just do more. Mm-hmm. Just say it. We have more on our plate. We do more. Um, That's a really good point. Just sort of save the other stuff until they've finished. Yeah, I don't want to just throw him because the list is um, just insanely long for both of us. <laughs> I mean, just like grossly long. Your like, list for both of you is yeah, insanely it's crazy. long. And then it. I have a third list, and it's things that um, – I want to accomplish their loftier goals, um, like sign up for a fencing class is on the list right now. I like, think you moonlight with a bunch of different enough stuff. No, I know, but like I, you know, legacy you man. What is? How what is, if I meant to be a fence? famous fencer? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but their loftier goals. Like I have something that's um start a list of things I want to teach Minnow, like life lessons. Like what is that? That's like such a weird goal to make, to write down on an iPhone note, but I wrote it down. Because I just had the thought. Sounds like a book that we'll be talking about on this podcast. Um, Start writing a book. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) about the list. Wrote it down in my mind. But I've always had this rule where if I've said something out loud that I want to do, I have seven days to take action. So that's been my rule since um, I think I started it right when I got out of college. It was my seven day rule. And um, to sum it up, I would always say, think it, do it is my life Mm -hmm. motto. Think it, do it. So, if you think something, especially if you say it out loud, like, man, I would really would like to um, try oil painting or I really been meaning to read that book. Like you have seven days to like stick that book in your Amazon cart. Like that counts as like an action or to start researching oil painting classes or reach out to a friend you haven't talked to in a long time. You, you have seven days to at least start the draft of the email. Like it doesn't have to be doing the thing, but it's like taking a small action toward completing it. For me, like it just it, it gets you on the road to actually someday doing it, and then it also just alleviates that panic I have that I'm not doing enough. It just at least I took one small step. But I think the parent hack you're talking about uh, that I told you was to leave all paperwork for Mondays, so that you don't feel like it's a constant daily thing that you're having to um, submit insurance claims and write an email back about bathroom renovations and whatever like sort of mundane um, paperworky correspondences that don't need your immediate attention, impersonal, anything impersonal basically. I just save them for Monday. So then if someone's bugging me about something and they're really wanting an answer, I can say, hey, 
thanks for reaching out. Um, I do all this kind of stuff on Mondays, so you'll hear from me on Monday. And it just kind of like gives you permission to blow through your week without being bogged down by that stuff. Besides raising strong, independent toddlers, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we share something else in common, and it is our absolute obsession with the musical Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why do you love it so much? The theme of legacy, I think. Um, I don't know what it is about uh, when you become a mom. Well, I also love musicals and like jazz hands and stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. I love every musical. Um, And I'm like Lin-Manuel Miranda obsessed. But I think when you become a mom, the idea of what am I doing? What am I leaving behind? Is today the day I die? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have just like an obsession with death and legacy and a panic that I'm not doing enough every day. And I think that's something that's a huge theme in the show and in Hamilton's life. Did you have that that fear of not doing enough or that the, the you know the clock is ticking? Did you have that before you became a mother or was it amplified by the birth of your child? So I always had the thing that drive before I became a mother. I'm I hoard hobbies. I carry around this little um, USB stick that you just hit a button and it starts recording your voice. So when I'm driving, I can just say every idea that comes to my mind because I'm always having ideas while I'm driving and fiddling with the iPhone is just asking for a weird head-on collision. Um, <laughs> I mean, I should not laugh at that. <laughs> but you're like, I have an idea. Boom. Boom. I mean, it's just like talk about yeah, not doing enough before you die. <laughs> At least my idea would live. See, that's the problem is that at least I got it down on my little USB thing, which would survive the crash, which my daughter would find. And then she would listen to it. I mean, this is what I think about. It's like, oh, me too. You got to listen to it. So I have a recent, oh, God, I just hit the microphone. Uh, I I got so excited, everyone. Uh, I had a recent episode with Bianca Kylik, and uh, I talked to her about legacy and about the fear of death. And I say that this podcast is like part of that obsession is that. Sabrina will have this someday. No, I know. I And it's like crazy to me and it's like so necessary for me even though I'll be around hopefully. It's a touch OCD to make sure that you get yeah. things on paper that you leave behind or right? on tape. I w- we were going for Labor Day weekend. We had to go out of town for two days without Sabrina. It was one of our first times leaving her behind and part of, and I was like, "Oh my god." episode for the podcast doesn't go up till Tuesday though. Like what if no, what if the plane crashes and Sabrina never hears that part of the Bianca Kylik episode where I talk about her because it didn't get uploaded. It's so bizarre that I've transferred this to the podcast, but yes, that legacy thing, like the wanting to connect from beyond the grave and like, what do you leave behind? And just as you're saying that, I realized I had a sketch comedy troupe that I started in New York, um, that I directed and wrote for and acted in. And um, I just realized that all the videos are password protected and I'm going to go home right now and like. Right? Yeah, it's crazy. It's maddening. So the drive was always there. The feeling that time is running out began when I became a mother. I mean, I have the most morbid thoughts. Like the other day, um, and I'm not someone who's super close to my ability to cry because I just have this problem where everything's ironic and comedy time and my job is just to make jokes all day long and I just sometimes getting there is hard for me but I had this thought that I'm never gonna know 
what my daughter looks like at my mom's age. And it, it made me cry, which is, of course, I'm not going to know what Minna looks like when she's my mom's age. Like, that's just math and life. Yesterday, well, yours, I'm going to take a while to digest. I'll probably have to go for a walk and sob. Thanks a lot for that one. <laughs> Love it. Depressing Thank you. Podcast. Super appreciate it. <laughs> I did think yesterday morning, because uh, yesterday was Sabrina's due date, and she was born two weeks early. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I'm so grateful that I got an extra two weeks. Oh, God. See, that's the more positive way to look at it. Less, I got much an, less morbid, but that's really sweet. And it can, I mean, it's. Got an extra two weeks. <clears throat> so that's also why I'm obsessed with Hamilton. Also, I mean, hopefully listeners who don't know about Hamilton and don't care about Hamilton can still get something out of this conversation. But uh, I really appreciate the tension that the characters feel between going after their work and changing the world and also getting pulled back by their family of, Mm -hmm. like, this is the moment that matters. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, there's a scene where Alexander Hamilton's wife wants him to go away for the summer with the family, Mm -hmm. and he can't because of work. Take a break. Yeah. Will you sing for us? Sing. Oh, come on. Well, I will say that the other day I was, I drive around with Minnow in the car listening to Hamilton a lot because she's always like, yeah, mama's favorite. And yeah. I'm like, Hamilton? It's, and she's like, yeah. Sabrina's the one musical Sabrina knows. Like if I just play one yeah. moment of I any know. of the songs, she says Minnow knows Wicked too, which I bet Sabrina oh, wow. based on her duality. We're not going to do that right now. No, <laughs> no more witches in no Sabrina's witches. life right now. <laughs> she's a good witch. Yeah. Um, but. Oh, you'd be so good at singing that popular song though. I, I do like Can you just that do that? Song? Popular. Come on. I'm going to be popular. Um, But uh, the other day, and thank God, Cyrus, my husband, was in the car because no one would believe me. But we're driving, and we're listening to Hamilton, and then, like, something about the um, service of my phone, because I'm listening to it through my phone, went out, and Minna was singing, and the part she was singing was from Satisfied, and it's a rap. I'll do it for you. And this is the whole entire thing she wrapped. And Cyrus is a witness that it really happened. And she did it to speed. So it's the part that goes, um, so, 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 so this is what it feels like to match with someone at your level. What the hell is the catch? It's the feeling, the freedom of seeing the light. It's Ben Franklin with the key and the kite. You see it, right? She did the entire thing. (laughs) Like with the like, the like. We have to record this. This is a commercial. No. So (laughs) then I tried to record her doing it. Yeah. And it was just like this weird magical moment that I can't reenact. Like she should be on Ellen or what's the the late show where he does drives around in the car <laughs> totally doing like a weird Ellen YouTube video <laughs> waiting to happen. I'm gonna go so ahead amazing. and avoid it. But it was crazy. Okay, my other obsession is Soul Cycle. I really love it. I don't want to love it because it's so commercial and like everyone talks about it and it's like such an eye roll thing, but it really does help me. There are certain instructors that are really incredible. I'm meaning to ask you about. And so I went to a Hamilton Soul Cycle ride. And here's the thing Soul Cycle, the front row is, you're supposed to be really good to be in the front row. I've done it a long time, but mm-hmm. this is one of my quirks, right? I don't like to announce that I really do something until I'm absolutely perfect yeah. at it. I have a hard time just being like, yeah, I'm a front row girl. Yeah. Like just in anything in life, I want to be really good and like do it, you know, by yeah. myself until I'm ready. This is a problem. It's not good. A lot of women share this with me 
and it's a problem, and we need to stop this nonsense and get out there in the world so that there are more creative directors that are women because it's, yeah. it's a problem. Yeah. But for the Hamilton ride, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get in the front row. I've only done the front row a few times, uh, maybe like twice, maybe three times. I love that I have to be so factual about this thing that no one cares about. And uh, <laughs> there was a seat, a bike, front row, center. And so I told the instructor, I didn't know her. She was dressed as Alexander Hamilton. It was great. Was it me? <laughs> I, <know. laughs> uh, I, I whispered over to her and I was like, look, this is one of my first times in the front row. So just make sure I'm like on the right beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, she announced to everyone like, this is one of Ali's first times in the front row. Everyone like <laughs> give a round of applause. Okay. I did it. I rocked it so hard. Oh it was so amazing. And she would stop the music so that people were singing. So you could just hear the voices. Oh my God. And of course, I'm lip syncing because I just sounds so awful. But that was pretty special. And then at the end, she had me blow out the candle because I really brought it. I brought it so big. I've and, never been to Soul Cycle, so, so I don't even know what that means. It sounds like I a cult it, thing. It, oh, totally. I, I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit like when you texted me like, I'm going to I'm going to Hamilton Soul Cycle. I was just sitting there like, here it comes. She's going to invite me. Well, you could have come. I didn't get the text. It was also at 630 in Hollywood. And I, I figured. I go the distance. Okay. You know what? Next you're time. right. Oh, see. Oh, now I feel guilty. I probably would have sweat the goatee off that I usually wear at the Hamilton sing-alongs, but. <laughs> I got to share that picture of you. So <laughs> my the point I'm sharing about this ridiculous story is uh, what is the thing that we are willing to get in the front row for where we don't care that we look like total fools and we'll just throw ourselves into it. It doesn't even matter what we look like anymore because we care about it so passionately and it makes us so excited about life. It's a like, way what of is life, though. It's all the things for me. I mean, right. I'm I'm a front row, like, in a comedy show. I'm a front I just feel like I want the purest experience of any experience, and it's always just get as close as you can, get in there, do the thing if you do want to. Do the thing. Do the thing. I used to And have don't this- care about what you look like or no. that you're not doing it perfectly or right. If you're passionate about it, if yes. the thing matters enough to you, you don't matter anymore. And that's like the most freeing thing in the well, world. Well, and thanks to social media, no one's looking at you. They're just, everything yeah. is selfie-sticked back on themselves. But let me but tell I you, choose- they paid attention when I blew out that candle. Well, I mean, you were the star. <laughs> okay, will you take us out with a Hamilton song? Um, yes. As Hamilton. You strike me. As a woman who has never been satisfied, I'm sure I don't know what you mean. You forget yourself. You're like me. You're never satisfied. Is that right? I've never been satisfied. (laughs) You just did two parts. Yeah. Well, I realized it was a duet. You know, (laughs) a lot going on. Until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. (laughs) 